welcome to Immigration Review, your weekly source for immigration case law updates and insights. I'm your host, Kevin A. Gregg, back again to review the week's presidential immigration cases, rummaging through the decisions so you don't have to. This podcast is sponsored by Kurzban, Kurzban, Tetzeli, and Pratt, also known as KKTP, a law firm where I'm also a partner. Whether you are facing an immigration obstacle, a serious injury, or a legal issue in your business, KKTP will aggressively protect your best interests. This podcast is also sponsored by DocketWise, an all-in-one immigration forms and case management solution trusted by thousands of immigration lawyers across the U.S. I really like DocketWise. It makes immigration applications easy by allowing the clients to provide information through simple online questionnaires that are shareable by text or email and available in multiple languages. Not only that, DocketWise provides a comprehensive group of case management features, including invoicing and calendaring, secure messaging, task management, and a lot more. You can learn all about DocketWise and receive a 10% discount on your subscription by heading to docketwise.com immigration review so they know we sent you. And as always, this show does not constitute legal advice and has no bias other than to keep you up to date and to enable you, my dear colleagues, to excel in court. So, without further ado, let's start the review. Well, everyone, it finally happened. A week without any appellate cases arising in immigration court. But you're not out of the woods, because two circuits published criminal cases that are quite important for immigration practitioners. And thank deity, too, because I just don't know what I'll do with myself should a caseless week ever come. I've become that irredeemable, everybody. But that week is not this week. To the 10th! Here we go. First, United States v. Hernandez Cavillo, published by the 10th Circuit on July 13th, 2022. In this decision, the Tenth Circuit held that 8 U.S.C. Section 1324A1AIV is unconstitutional. Judge Baldock dissented. I won't get into all the nitty-gritty because the decision doesn't arise in immigration court. However, and right off the bat, this decision might serve as a roadmap to arguing that the alien smuggling removability provision is also unconstitutional, and therefore cannot subject your client to inadmissibility or removability, or serve to deny them immigration benefits. However, also right off the bat, footnote 13 throws some cold water on that argument. Also, such an argument would appear foreclosed, at least in the Ninth Circuit, as discussed recently on episode 112 in Marquez Reyes v. Garland. So, section 1324A1AIV makes criminal encouraging or inducing a non-citizen to reside in the United States, knowing or recklessly disregarding that such residence violates the law. Here, the Tenth Circuit held that the statute's, quote, plain language targets protected speech, creating a real danger that the statute will chill First Amendment expression, end quote. To succeed on a First Amendment facial challenge such as this, a party does not need to show that the statute is always unconstitutional. 
Rather, the challenger must show that, quote, a substantial number of the statute's applications are unconstitutional, judged in relation to the statute's plainly legitimate sweep, end quote. That showing was deemed met here. Like, arguably, the alien smuggling removability provision, quote, the ordinary meaning of encourage and induce encompass both conduct and speech, end quote. The words encourage and induced, as used in the statute, have broad meanings, according to the Tenth Circuit, and reach lots of protected speech, at least when those words are used in the criminal statute. With the criminal statute at issue here, the words encourage and induce were used by Congress, quote, in their ordinary speech-encompassing sense, end quote. Now, if all the speech being criminalized was, say, the encouraging or inducing of criminal activity, you might not have a First Amendment violation. But that's not the case here. For example, as the Supreme Court held in Arizona v. United States, unauthorized residence in the United States is not actually a crime, even if the entry was. So speech encouraging or inducing unauthorized residence is not necessarily encouraging or inducing a criminal activity. For example, to the Tenth Circuit, quote, it is reasonable to conclude that vast amounts of protected speech would be swept up in a criminal prohibition of alarming breath, end quote. As such, the statute violates the First Amendment. It didn't matter to the court that lots of immigration advocates seem to violate the statute every day, quote, that some groups and individuals may persist in constitutionally protected speech despite fear of prosecution says nothing about those who do not because of their fear of prosecution, end quote. This statute violates the First Amendment because it might dissuade some from engaging in protected speech. Fight on, advocates. And so holding the Tenth Circuit has stepped in and answered the question left open by the Supreme Court two terms ago in United States v. Sinanag Smith, discussed way back on Episode 2. A bit of background, in that case, the Ninth Circuit had previously issued a holding similar to the one that the Tenth Circuit is issuing here. But the Supreme Court vacated the Ninth Circuit on procedural grounds. On remand, the Ninth Circuit simply affirmed the conviction, but according to the Tenth Circuit, the Supreme Court didn't actually touch the substance of the Ninth Circuit's prior decision holding the statute unconstitutional. The Tenth Circuit has now answered that question and held it unconstitutional like the first Ninth Circuit panel. Tenth Circuit leading the way. Also totally creating a circuit split somewhere. Oh, and by the way... This means that Mr. Hernandez-Calvillo and his co-defendant's indictment remains dismissed. Congratulations to Mark C. Fleming and his team at Wilmer Hale, and many, many others. Excited for another circuit to similarly rule on an issue that will likely be litigated for a long time. And that is United States v. Hernandez-Calvillo. That brings us to USA v. Bastide Hernandez, published by the Ninth Circuit on July 11, 2022. This decision is about deficient notices to appear and jurisdiction in the criminal Section 1326 illegal reentry context. Honestly, I wasn't going to do it, but it's a short week. Plus, it's the en banc Ninth Circuit, and to an attorney sitting in the Ninth Circuit, well, you listen. 
In this decision, the en banc court agreed with every circuit thus far, and held that an NTA that lacks the date, time, and location of the first removal hearing does not implicate jurisdictional problems. In this context, it means that a federal district court retains jurisdiction over a criminal prosecution for illegal reentry after a non-citizen has been ordered removed, even if the NTA in those initial immigration removal proceedings was deficient. If I recall correctly, this district court judge in Washington state was one of the first to issue a non-citizen-friendly decision tethered to deficient NTAs post-Pereira. So hats off to you, judge. But now the full Ninth Circuit has reversed. After all these years, this en banc court decision is essentially another one that reiterates the holding that deficient NTAs don't likely have jurisdictional implications in any context. IJs and federal judges have the authority to rule, notwithstanding an NTA's failure to comply with INA Section 239A. But neither this or any other decision that I'm aware of means that deficient NTAs shouldn't result in dismissal of removal proceedings under the right circumstances. After all, the Ninth Circuit and most if not all circuits at this point have recognized that deficient NTAs implicate violations of mandatory claims processing rules. Flat out, quote, a timely objection to a claims processing defect can in some cases warrant dismissal of the case, end quote. In the Seventh Circuit, I think it's all cases. And remember, after Ms. Chavez, quote, the supplement of a notice of hearing would not cure any NTA deficiencies under INA Section 239A, end quote. The NTA requirements might simply be, quote, a docketing rule, end quote, but it's a mandatory one. Anyway, the Ninth Circuit vacated the district court's dismissal here, likely meaning that Mr. Bastide Hernandez will be prosecuted. A bit more before we conclude the episode. Certainly keep making your claims processing rule arguments, and don't even stop making the jurisdictional argument in immigration court or elsewhere. After all, as Judge Friedland states in concurrence, quote, Given that the Supreme Court has on two occasions strictly enforced the statutory NTA requirements, and given that there is evidence that Congress intended an NTA to be necessary for jurisdiction over removal proceedings, the Supreme Court may eventually disagree with our court's holding today. I urge the government to ensure that going forward, all NTAs contain the information required by statute." End quote. And, while the decision here is pretty silent about what would be required to state a claims processing rule violation in the Ninth Circuit, including whether prejudice is required and what type of prejudice showing would suffice, Judge Friedland also notes in concurrence that, quote, if the government does not provide this information at the onset, non-citizens may be deprived of a meaningful opportunity to prepare for their hearings, end quote. Sounds like per se prejudice to me or if nothing else, a standard to meet. And that is USA v. Bastide Hernandez. And bonk. So there you have it. You're all caught up with the past week's published immigration cases. I'm Kevin A. Gregg, a partner with the law firm Kurzban, Kurzban, Tetzeli, and Pratt, and this has been another episode of Immigration Review. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with a friend and rate and review us. Each review helps new listeners find the show. And of course, subscribe to Immigration Review wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you like what we do and want to become a patron of the show, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash immigration review, or click on the link in the show notes. And if you're interested in an official Immigration Review CLE certificate for five credit hours, email me at kgreg at kktplaw.com with your full name and the episode numbers for the 10 shows you've listened to. Also, feel free to email me with questions, comments, or anything at all. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Immigration Review. And send us a tweet at ImReview. That's I-M-M Review. I'll be back next Monday for a brand new discussion. Until then, I'm Kevin A. Gregg, bringing you the Immigration Review.